This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest TVU podcast. I'm Dustin, and joining me today is Scott, BJ, Hanan, and a special guest host, Theo from the Comic Cast, is joining us as well because today we are talking all about our first reactions to the Batman film. Um, as I've said on, on uh, earlier episodes before we release this, we're going to be talking about the Batman film for a good maybe the entire month of March, uh, but we're definitely going to be talking about it for at least the next couple of weeks. So this specific episode, we're talking about our first reactions. We've all seen the film. We've all uh, have seen it at least once. Some of us have seen it more than once, including myself. But uh, those of us, uh, th- th- we've all enjoyed the film as a whole. Um, but today we're specifically talking about whether or not, you know, what what were the things that we liked? What were the, some of the things that we disliked? If there were any things that you disliked, um, that's what we're specifically focusing on this episode. In the future, we will have other episodes dedicated to some of the comic connections, a lot more of the Easter eggs, a uh, little bit of a deep dive into a lot of the Easter eggs because there's a ton in there. And then also we're going to be talking about uh, the sequel ideas or ideas for the future of the franchise as we as we leave it at the end of uh, this. I, I say this specifically because one of the things I did not want to talk about today was sequels because as of we're recording this, Rata Ala, or, uh, RataAlada.com is still loading. It's currently sitting at 34% and who knows what's actually going to pop up after that after it finally gets to 100%. But uh, if you sat through the end credits and you saw the question mark and the word goodbye, you saw the website, Ratalada, which is the same place where a lot of the viral marketing has been taking place uh, leading up to the film. The website itself flashed, and if you went there, if you went there before March 4th, and you went to the website, it was still doing the same thing where it was showing riddles and you'd solve the riddles and you'd get some sort of like concept or a little behind the scenes image when it comes to like uh, mug shots of Batman or a ad for uh, the Thomas Wayne mayor- mayoral campaign and things like that. But I, I, overall, um, as soon as March 4th hit, suddenly the website updated and it makes it seem like it's going through uh, it's, the entire site is being rerouted through Gotham, a bunch of different uh, ISPs, and then into Arkham. And then it's there's a another page that loads and says, click here for reward. You click it, and it's another ciphered message that translates to, you think that was something big. I've got something bigger in plan for the future. Obviously, that's not the exact words, but it's pretty much setting up the future to have something else 
incorporated with the Riddler, and there's something loading, um, and it's been loading since that specific day when the website updated. So now it's sitting at 34%. By next weekend, I'm sure it'll be at 100%, but for now, it's still loading, so that's one of the reasons I didn't want to talk about sequels today. But there's a lot of different things to talk about. Um, I've already asked and discussed with everyone here whether they liked or disliked the film and everyone said overall they liked the film um but there are some things that we dislike so i wanted to, i wanted to instead of diving straight into the likes and then ending the episode on the dislikes i'm going to go reverse um there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, there's going to be plenty of spoilers here. So I, I assume you've already seen the film if you're listening to the podcast. But if you haven't seen the movie, um, just be warned that there's going to be plenty of spoilers here. So I want to talk about some of the dislikes. Um, what was one of the things that you disliked about the film? Prizing out of Alfred. And I was actually really excited to see Andy Serkis play him because um, he's a really talented actor. So expecting more alpha involvement although i really did like those scene that he has with bruce i thought that was really sweet um kind of on the same lines as the wayne tower but i it took me by surprise that there was no wayne manor i was expecting the pretty stereotypical like manor and then go down to the bat cave outside of the city limits but from what i saw from the film it looked like he drove straight through to the city and then to the main tower. And then then that's where they resided. Um, I actually loved the interior. I thought it was so ridiculous, but kind of like liked the surprise of it. Um, But not having like the Wayne Manor setting. Um, And I think the last thing I would say that I was hoping for perhaps a different ending in the sense of like, okay, so the Riddler's in custody and the big plan is then to destroy the city by setting off bombs at locations that would destroy a dam. And I, I'm not an engineer, so I could be so wrong, but I don't think that's how dams work. I think that they're built a little bit better. There's more fail safes in place if you're that low underwater, under sea level. Um, and then like massive flooding, wouldn't there be severe casualties like across the board that part i was kind of like oh i didn't see that coming and was expecting it to go maybe in a different direction um and i think that would be like the last thing that caught me off guard i wouldn't say it's a huge dislike i wasn't upset with it but i it didn't satisfy me as much as i would have hoped so i can't speak to the engineer side of it but i i know that i saw that there was a in in the very early of the film there was, um, after the mayor's found, and they're walking around the mayor's uh, office or den or whatever it is, and they are uh, looking and on one of the the newspapers on the wall, it's like Moroni drug bus, you know, mayor mm-hmm. bus drugs or whatever, and there's a sub-headline at the bottom of one of those newspapers, which I don't know that uh, a normal person I do not see actually catching this because... It's just, it, it was not very big, and I did not see it, and I'm not trying to take credit for this, seeing it either, because I saw this on a recap video, but one of the sub-headlines was uh, seawall construction delayed. So I think it leads into the fact that the infrastructure 
that the renewal plan and all of that was supposed to do was supposed to help the infrastructure because the whole idea of the renewal was the uh, public works. That's what that's what the foundation was intended for was for that. So I think that the seawall uh, construction being halted led the seawall that existed to not be in great form. So I think that's why it was so easy to put the bombs. It could have been better explained, uh, but I don't think. I mean, I don't know that a lot of people are. Uh, I should say a lot of uh, average people are are thinking too far into the construction element of uh, whether or not the seawall is going to have a failsafe or not. But um, I agree in the sense of at the end, you know, like obviously Batman saves all the people. They get to the Gotham Square, saves a bunch of people, I should say. But at least when the water is like gushing through the city, it it seems as if the water is at least coming up to at least one story Um, because – we know that Gotham Square Garden um, is dead center in the city, and that's supposed to be their like their last. Uh, the mayor puts it is like um, it's supposed to be like the 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 place for a, a natural disaster, a haven of sorts, and uh, so that it's supposed to be able to like withstand this. And they were like, yes, it is supposed to withstand like uh, a hurricane or uh, earthquake right. or whatever, but it's not necessarily designed to stand. You know, when we have water coming in from every end very, very quickly. And I keep thinking to myself that that could have been explained a little bit better because we literally see the water like gushing through the streets so much so that it's like moving cars and moving buses and whacking into the side of. Yeah, exactly. And they don't really address the fact that there was clearly, there clearly would be people like walking around the city or on the first levels of all of these buildings. And that just kind of it's glossed over because, well, everybody just happens. Well, everybody they want to matter is all at the uh, Gotham Square Garden where Batman conveniently saves everyone. So, Because mm-hmm. I think they would have achieved the same end goal of like causing havoc if they had just planted bombs around the city and let them rip. And yeah. then have the people approach to the store garden and still attempt the to kill the people who were present. Yeah, and oh yeah. Still have yeah. the same like yeah. epic without the water. Yeah, point, just without <laughs> the flooding. That was easy for me to comprehend and understand. And I say that as someone born and raised in New Orleans, who lives you know under sea level. So basically, the way these sea walls, as they called outside of the south, are built, we call them levees down here is, you know, they're they're built to hold water back. But what happens is the area that it protects, uh, and New Orleans, again, is a prime example of it, because of that wall that's built around it, the city actually sinks some. And so now you have a city that is basically living within the bowl. So once that water starts rushing in, no matter which way it comes from, it's going to rush in and it's going to stay there. Okay. So that's why days and days later, unless you find a way to pump that water back out, yeah. it's going to be sitting. And that's kind of yeah. what we saw there. And yeah. so, and that's, and I immediately, so I'm like, oh, they, they got Gotham looking like, you know, the city of New Orleans, you know, with, with the seawall built around it that basically makes it a bowl. Once water comes in, it has nowhere to go. It's going to sit there once it rushes in on you. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. Sorry, I didn't mean to get us off on like a. No, no. Enchanted. No, 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 no. The the last thing I would say, and um, 
I can't quite recall if I've already mentioned it, but um, it's the when Bruce Wayne uh, finds out the truth of like, oh, my dad was corrupt and this whole thing happened with my family. He believes it on instinct, or at least that's the impression that you receive. Like he believes that that is the truth, goes and talks to a corrupt mob boss. And then like, here's what he has to say. And is like, yeah, that's accurate. And then goes to Alfred and is like, you lied to me. I would have appreciated a little bit like, hmm, I'm a detective. Is that really what happened? Let me talk to Alfred first before jumping to conclusions and, you know, kind of the villainizing of the Wayne family. But aside from those areas, and they really didn't bother me as much as I expected them to. I would say those were like the main points that I liked. I I will say, I get, well, I guess that leads into the likes too, but that element, it was weird how easily Bruce just accepted something that a known criminal was telling him. Uh, that part was a little frustrating because it's like um, I can't. I, he just didn't put it together that uh, maybe the criminal is not exactly the most trustworthy person that he could talk to. Um, that that said, <laughs> and it wasn't the first time either because I, I I bust out laughing when he was speaking with Riddler and Riddler was like, "Ah, you didn't figure it out, world's greatest detective." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there was that, but then. On the flip side, uh, jumping over to the likes, um, obviously there was a lot of detective elements here, which makes perfect sense. So years ago when the Dark Knight trilogy was coming out, um, Dark Knight had already released. They were leading up to the Dark Knight Rises. On the podcast years ago, I said that it would be really cool to see a Riddler based in the grounded reality of Chris Nolan's uh, universe specifically because I thought it would be really cool to get a more cerebral Batman um, that it would have to deal with the Riddler um, because one Jim Carrey's that's its own thing. We don't need to talk about a whole lot of that right now, but uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler is, is extremely different and was not really set in a very grounded reality. So I always really wanted to see that. And I remember leading up to the rumors of what exactly they were going to do for The Dark Knight Rises, I was really hoping for the Riddler to be one of the villains that would be featured in the film. And then when it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't meant to be. But going into um, this film, I didn't even have any real expectations of what I wanted to see. I just wanted to see something good. Honestly, um, I didn't have like it needs to be this or it needs to be that. It, it doesn't like if, if they decided to do something that wasn't as grounded, I don't think I would have been as upset about it as you know, as long as it was a good film. And that's nothing that's not try, I'm not trying to cast shade on Batman v Superman, but I just don't think overall that film was like it had great moments. Um, there was great moments in that film, but I think overall it was just not a great movie. And that's my issue with it. And I I prefer to have a movie that is overall very good that maybe isn't maybe doesn't have as many like um, of the the holy crap moments as as certain films do. But it, I want something that's you know like a perfect comparison because I just watched this last night. Um, the Fast and the Furious movies. Those movies started off as like all about car races and heists, and now it's how can we top the last crazy special effect that we did in the last film? And I I don't. That it doesn't make a good movie. Um, the movies now are just, you know, it's just about, you know, how can we, what can we do different? What's bigger? What's what's better than the last one? But it's not about whether or not the story's good. So for me, it's all about 
whether or not the story's good. And with this film, that's really my my one hope going into this. So when they announced that the Riddler was going to be it, I was thrilled for the fact that the Riddler was going to be the villain um, because I thought to myself, okay, well, we're getting a different take on the Riddler, and I think the Riddler's a villain that deserves to be in live action just as much as, uh, the, as the Joker. Probably, I shouldn't say not as much as the Joker, but but right up there with, you know, the top tier group of villains that, you know, belong in live action. So I was I was pleased to see that. But knowing that uh, Matt Reeves came from the previous franchise that he worked on, Planet of the Apes, which um, for more than one reason I really enjoyed. But um, there was, you know, and he already had stated that he was going to be doing a grounded version of Batman. And I thought, okay, well... You know, Batman v Superman, it wasn't as much as not grounded as it was. It just took place in a world that had heroes that were, well, you know, very different than Batman. So I guess that was, you know, it's a different take from that direction, but it's very similar to Chris Nolan. So then it was comes down to what were they going to do different than Chris Nolan did? And what they ended up doing was they ended up doing something that was much more cerebral, much more detective, more so than just the brute force of uh, of Chris Nolan's Batman and there's still plenty of action there's still plenty of moments that are really cool but the detective element that comes into play when it comes into all the stuff that's going on with the Riddler and solving the mystery of the Waynes and Falcone that was the part that I probably liked the absolute most compared to anything else. Um, there's plenty of moments that I'll, I'll bring up in a little bit, but there's but that was the the aspect that I really enjoyed was seeing a character even even as early in his career as he is, he's still very much like in on the detective side of things, and that is something that we can see built on in the future too. It's not something that can just be exclusive to this 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 uh this one incarnation of one film it can be in multiple films because that's the character that they they started out with i agree it was i love the uh detective element and i was so happy um first uh early in the film when we saw bruce take off those contacts we talked about it last week on the last episode of the podcast how bruce wayne batman he always he's always building his own tech and we finally saw him with some futuristic tech we really haven't seen in movies past. I love that you had the older, there was like newer tech that hooked up to like older tech. It looked like he had like an old like Macintosh computer that he was like reminding, going back and forth and figuring out the cipher and everything. So I really like, we finally got the true detective Batman in the movie. I really like that they kind of just, he just went for it though, like on that note, like with the detective thing. Like, you know, he's like, I like you know, these types of films or this kind of vibe or feeling just kind of like just owned it. And, you know, the first time watching it, it took me a few minutes to get into the movie because it was, you know, very reminiscent of like older film styles in the sense of just like, you know, it, it took place in a world that we don't see too much, I would say, in like modern like blockbusters. So, you know, I just love that. Like he just kind of went for it. And like, you know, I guess like I wouldn't, use the word grounded to describe it on that note i guess to me like grounded means like christopher nolan's like oh well he's a real man so batman's got knee problems or something but yeah. i felt like it was just kind of its own unique world you know where gotham just feels like this labyrinthian you know place that's kind of surreal and 
I don't want to say magical because that hits the wrong note, but just like, you know, it's, it's huge and there's all these corridors and, you know, shadowy areas and just, I love that, you know, when he was leaning into the detective thing, he really just kind of owned, you know, almost like those like old noir films he was going for, you know, that, that inspired him. And it just, you know, feels so unique and its own thing and different than everything else that's like in the theaters at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I love the vibe that the whole movie had kind of a poor word to use, but kind of what you're describing, like a mythos to the city, the, the, the plastered plasma screens, but then the like almost Victorian esque style of buildings, European inspired, but in America and old technology, old cars, but it's very clearly modern day. And there, there was a really nice blend and a really nice mesh of all that. And um, I think it just created a really good setting for the entire detective story to play out. And you see that. And, you, and I loved how that was really highlighted through, you know, Batman's work, but then also him and Jim Gordon going at it and their dynamic together at that and how it all really, really helped support the film. I thought that was really cool. The most detective thing for me was watching him have these notebooks filled with all these notes from the cases that he's done in such a short period of time in his career you know as he's going case by case and he's taking notes to go back and study on and that was just that was detective for me you know he, he's he doesn't have all the pieces together, but he, at least he has a trail to go back to if he ever needs to go back to it. And I thought that was just absolutely great. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, as the person who, who reviews tech on the website, you know, one of the things I always love is a true Batman detective story. And this was this was it true and true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say I about... I dumb watching it at points. I was like, I what... Oh, like not getting it, and like the URL part. I, somebody leaned over and they're like, "No, no, it's like URL, like a website." And I was like, "I would have died." <laughs> I will say the one downfall about him handwriting all his journals is that how, it would take him a really long time to be able to reference his notes in the in you know as, as often as yeah. he's going out. Uh, you would think he would digitize that stuff in today's world. Maybe but, he just scans it and then it's yeah. like. That's true. Maybe he does. Maybe he just runs it. Maybe that's what Alfred's job is, and we never see him. He's always in the back room scanning everything, um, digitizing. He looks the at notes. it. He looks at it with the contact, and then prints it out. Ah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so a couple of other things. Um, so the overall setting. Um, it was interesting because there was a, when it came to Gotham City. It was it was not a Gotham City that we've really seen in the past. Um, Chris Nolan's uh, Chris Nolan's Gotham City was very much Chicago, and then obviously when they did Dark Knight Rises, they showed elements, because they filmed in Pittsburgh, of Pittsburgh to kind of make it a little bit different than what we saw in Batman Begins and in The Dark Knight. But when it comes to Gotham City, this was a very different Gotham City. There was very distinct districts, which I thought was interesting. So in the very beginning of the film, we see, you know, when the mayor's house is in this nicer air, nicer area, or you assume it's a nicer area, but it is in kind of a borough. It's not necessarily in the downtown area because after the whole 
uh, opening sequence when Batman leaves the house and they're giving the press conference. Batman gets on, or Bruce gets on the motorcycle and he drives through and you see him traveling through Gotham City and he goes through an area that appears to be very similar to like Times Square, like the main center of the city. But what was really interesting and, uh, when I saw this with my wife, she she called this out. She was like, where did they film this? Because it was interesting because that city center, which is so modern with the giant billboards and everything, had cobblestone roads. And I thought that was really unique because it shows there's this really like rooted history of the town that still exists to this day, even in an area that is so um, heavily... Um, modernized with these giant digital billboards everywhere there was still the cobblestone roads and then he gets on a bridge travels over the bridge and he's in a completely different area of the city where wayne tower is and there's other skyscrapers there as well and it doesn't seem to be as bustling as the area that um, the mayor was in or even the area where the uh, the town the town square was it, it was much it seemed more isolated, even though there was those giant skyscrapers. And that's not to say there wasn't, but it also leads me to believe that, like, obviously, Wayne Tower... Because the first thing I thought about when the seawall broke and the flooding, it was like, oh, well, there goes the Batcave, because that's in the basement of Wayne Tower. But that's on a different, you know, that's on a different island as part of Gotham City. So it's not necessarily, it's not affected by that specific one, because it's just one element of it. Um but yeah, the the overall like setting, the uniqueness of it being filmed. The film was filmed. The majority of the the city sequences and things were filmed in Scotland, and you can see that European um, element to the to the setting. Even though it is obviously a town that's meant to be in in America, but it has that old feel, that old English kind of feel that we see um, when when in the film when we see it on on the screen. So I thought the setting was really unique. Yeah. I, uh, something else I really liked, honestly, Jim Gordon's characterization, you know, is probably Mm -hmm. as far as films go, that's probably my favorite one. Like I can say that like hands down, I loved, you know, that we get more of him. that, you know, here's kind of this honest, friendly, sincere face, you know, in a way he's serving as kind of like the Robin to Batman, but at the same time he feels almost like, paternal in a way where he's participating alongside and he's not he's more reserved and kind of you know seeing how the pieces fit together and i just i really appreciated that you know we get a gordon who you know is not relegated as only when he's needed or shoved to the side kind of like how pat hingle was in those early ones in the uh, late 80s and early 90s but um just you know that there was a lot of time and effort putting there into making this more of a character in a way that like shows you know the alliance between batman and the gcpd eventually you know we'll see that grow obviously probably as the films continue but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah what, what... I, I really liked his character as well and then that that one scene where they're um in the police station and he like gets right in batman's face and he's like dude calm down <laughs> like a like that like that you're mentioning paternal kind of like a child like get it together now <laughs> like and i was like this is great i really liked his characterization on that one too Gibbs gordon probably did more police work than any of the others and that includes um gary oldman in in the in the nolan trilogy because for the most part you know he was leading the other cops in 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 the trilogy whereas in this one 
he's you know he's a lieutenant throughout the entire movie so he's he's more of a street cop a beat cop uh as a detective so he's at the scene you know working the scenes and it's just funny how he just brings batman right on in you know what type of Gotham have we seen that before you know yeah the the one one of the sequences it's the sequence where they're going into the mayor's garage and they're walking through and he's like where did you get this information he's like i've got a source and he's like who's your source he's like what you don't trust me he's like yeah why would i trust you i've known you for two years and i still don't know who you are and i thought like just the banter that they had between each other it's not something that we're used to but it's not something i have a problem with at all i thought it was really cool to see that like relationship between them because i think i told I, i think i mentioned this to scott before which is this feels like the Jim Gordon that would sit down and have a coffee with Batman on New Year's Eve like we see in the animated series. This is that Jim Gordon. This is not the Jim Gordon that, you know, just is around who, you know, flakes out on on whatever Batman's telling him to do. And I and I say that because like I like the Dark Knight, but one of the sequences that I have such a problem with is they they build this relationship between uh Gary Oldman's Jim Gordon and Batman, and then as soon as Batman's like this is what needs to happen, Jim Gordon starts questioning everything. He starts questioning, no, we need to save Harvey Dent. We need to save Harvey Dent. We're going to do this. And then he's like, no, I'm going to go take care of this. And then he's like, no, SWAT team's going in in five minutes. It doesn't matter what Batman's saying. He's he's making his own decisions based off of whatever he needs to do. This, Jeffrey Wright's uh, uh, Jim Gordon is not like that. Jeffrey Wright's Gordon is going to do exactly what Batman tells him to do because he has seen Batman and he knows how Batman works and he knows Batman can get things taken care of. And I I appreciate that. I'm sure that's probably why there will be friction in the future if if eventually he becomes commissioner within the movies. There's going to be some friction between that and like the mayoral office because – Jim Gordon's just like Batman is the way we fix this fix everything. We we cannot do it ourselves. He has to be able to do things outside of what we can do. And I I can see like I immediately see them just like sitting down and having a cup of coffee. I mean, if Riddler wasn't in that diner, maybe they could have had a gone gone and had a cup of coffee. Yeah, my favorite line. He's like, "No guns." He's like, "Dude, that's your thing." Yeah, <laughs> like that little yeah. that right there. It felt really natural and not forced. Yeah. Um, towards the end when uh, Batman thinks that Riddler's going to out him as Bruce Wayne when he before he leaves to go to talk to Riddler and he just looks at Gordon goes you're a good cop and then just leaves and you can kind of tell on like Gordon's face he's like oh I kind of like meant a lot to him so that was a really nice moment yeah and I think that specifically obviously happened because Batman really thought he was going to be done he thought he was going to be outed and he thought that was the end of it um, but it was a good moment um Another so so let's let's talk about the Riddler here. Um, overall, I thought the the way they did the Riddler was a good way. I saw some reviews online that were talking about how they expected the Riddler to kind of like be way more leaning into the conspiracy, like Cunan uh, or something like that. And I was like, I don't I don't know why you would try to bring in like there was already the element of he is this leader who's got followers. He has a bunch of people who have no problem, you know, listening to what he's saying. I think one of the problems I saw that some that some of the reviewers online had was that uh, they weren't sure why exactly all of the followers had to dress up like Riddler at the end of the film. And I was like, I mean, I guess there's there's they're they're trying to 
they're trying to mimic their leader. Uh, that's what they're trying to do. It's not so much about because the the reviewer that I read it was like, oh well, they're just basically it's like a cosplay convention where they just happen to bring guns and they're trying to kill people. I was like, uh, that's a weird way of putting that. I don't know that I would immediately associate cosplayers and um, you know t- gun toting murderers together, but sure. Um, but I, it's obvious well, that they, they did it. But well, I mean, like. It's obvious that it's inspired by a lot of things going on now, but like as far as like all these like movements or like these groups that it takes inspiration from, like they, you know, they might not all wear the same exact shirt and pants, but they do also they do wear matching t-shirts. They bring flags, you know, like there are things that they bring to their little rallies or get-togethers, you know, that are similar, so they look alike and they can tell each other apart. Like yeah. that's not, you know, I don't see that as outside the realm of possible it's not a deal breaker for me i guess is the best way to put it it makes sense because they are this riddler movement yeah and well and also too it feels very dc like how many comics have we all read where it's like the mob gathering and the the cult of the cobra right they're all wearing the same thing the joker henchmen all wearing the same thing like it's the uh, even some of the batman um books um dark knight returns right in the at the end like they all get together and they're like all wearing the same face paints or masks and stuff it's such a dc thing so for me it felt totally normal yeah and i think the but going back to the riddler some of the riddles felt a little cheesy i don't know how you guys felt um i'm not saying that as a negative um but like there's always this there's always this thing that always happens with riddles that I dislike so much, but it's mostly because I'm very like um practical. I'm not so much about uh thinking outside the box kind of thing. So when you say to me, you know, the, the case in point, one of the riddles, what's blue, black, and dead all over? And obviously Riddler's answer is Batman, but that is not a real riddle. That's not a riddle at all. That's just a random like joke riddle that applies to the person you're talking to because the person you're talking to is what you're referring to. But like some of the other riddles um, that happen, it's not so much that they don't work. They work, but it's a matter of like, how do you solve it? The URL one is kind of interesting because like it all is the letters if he would have figured it out sooner, we would not have gotten the awesome chase scene that we got, which I'll bring up in a minute. Um, but the the URL, um, you know, like I wouldn't have necessarily put it together until he actually spelled it out because I didn't really like catch it when they actually had it written on the piece of paper to go to that website. But, you know, bring bring Falcone into the light. Conveniently, there just happened to be a light post there that was the reference when he got shot and Batman looked up and he's like, Oh crap, I brought him into the light. But really he meant just bring him out of his hole that he's hiding in. But the thing is he did come out. He came out for the funeral. So it wasn't like he never came out. So if the whole point was that Riddler just couldn't get him to come directly outside of that one spot where his gun happened to be set up, I don't know that it would have worked as well, but so that's the thing that I that I have an issue with, and that, that goes back to like every Riddler incarnation. Every Riddler always ends up having some sort of weird, twisted riddle that's like, it could be, a riddle to me is like, there's one answer. There's not f- multiple answers. It's not multiple choice. There's one specific answer that you get. 
That's the only way you can solve it is by coming up with that one answer. If you can answer it with like 15 other things, then what's, what, what is the point of the riddle? It doesn't, to me, that doesn't make any sense. So like, that's my issue with riddles in general, but I didn't necessarily have a problem with a lot of them because some of them, it was just like thinking a different way than what you come up with. It wasn't just about deciphering it and getting something specific. It's how do you use that information to come up with the actual answer and that's that's fine but yeah in general riddle riddle riddler riddles are they really mess with my head i I just think too much about them i just thought they were overly simplistic you know that they were meant to be solved and they were meant to be solved in a particular way to get to a particular scene to get us to the ending that it got us to and i would have preferred if it would have been something a little bit more thought intrusive, you know, that would have really added to the detective vibe of the movie. But I, I just saw I just saw them as being very simplistic where, you know, you can either come up with a very easy answer or it could have been any type of answer and they all yeah. would have been. Yeah, and the other issue is there was the point in the film where he goes and he talks to Riddler, and Riddler's like, "Oh, you you didn't figure it out. You're not as as bright as I thought." Um, and Batman goes back, and he happens to have that tool that was used to kill the mayor. And the cop is like, "Oh yeah, that's a carpet tucker. Um, that's used to tuck carpet." So Batman uses it to pry up the wood to pull back the carpet, and then it reveals this you know map that's kind of etched into the floor and says real change and that just happens to be the password to type it in to be able to see what the followers are saying to lead up to where they're going and i'm sitting here thinking like okay how many different pieces of the puzzle would have to like match up perfectly in order for batman to realize what that carpet tucker thing is in order to be able to know to pull up the carpet in the apartment to be able to get a password that connects to the computer that leads him to go here like there's so many pieces of the puzzle that just have to like line up perfectly and the planning that goes into that like riddler how could he possibly anticipate like obviously he wants his stuff he wants to stump batman that's like his thing, not necessarily in this film, because he's his his whole gimmick is that he believes that he's working alongside Batman to make things better. Um, but in general, when it comes to the Riddler, his whole shtick is that he's smarter than Batman. He wants to prove that he's smarter than Batman. And but th- in this case, it's not he's not trying to be smarter. He's trying to lead Batman down the path of like helping solve the problems that they need to solve, which is fine. But there was like that, there was that, that carpet thing got to me because I was like, why? Like, I didn't know what it is. And I actually work with carpet. I don't have something specifically like that. And I don't know what carpet person has like a shiny thing that looks silver. Like, what would be the point? Any, any tradesman does not have shiny tools. That's not what anybody uses. So I don't know how you would even put that together. I took that as kind of just like, it goes into like Batman's trying his best, but he's not always perfect. Like obviously he didn't know what that was, but I mean, there's like this theme throughout where Batman, you know, kind of has the wrong piece of the puzzle or he uses it wrong. You know, we talked about, you know, Alfred and Carmine Falcone earlier about, you know, Oh, Falcone tells him this one thing. I'm going to go run off and yell at Alfred about it. But also, you know, you mentioned it earlier with the penguin chase, you know, they're trying to figure out the, um, 
the stool pigeon thing, and they just like hop from oh one bird to penguin. the next to the next. Oh, it's bats have wings too. Oh, falcons have wings. You know, like it. Yeah, to the next to the next to the next. It just keeps going. So it just to me that kind of just resonated with this idea that Batman's just you know he's he's it goes back into that green thing, you know, cause the whole movie, he's also trying to learn a lesson, you know, that we get, you know, at the very end, but, uh, you know, t- I guess it, it, it could be a little hokey. I could see it that way. And I really see like the stool pigeon thing is a little hokey with how many times they got that wrong until they got it right. But, you know, I guess uh, at the same time, I justify it as kind of tying together in this overall overarching idea. It seems like Matt Reeves was trying to, put across yeah all right so let's talk about the action um the action was uh there was plenty of it uh one of my favorite scenes and i think a lot of people's favorite scene is going to be the chase sequence with the batmobile the batmobile gets introduced he's on a bike the entire movie up until when the batmobile first appears and that was really cool um i hate it might be too early to say this but I'm trying to compare it to anything else. And this might be my favorite Batmobile, quite honestly. Um, I like how it looks like a real car, but it is clearly not a real car. You can tell that Bruce has basically made this thing from scratch, and um, it is, it's a beast. I mean, it barrels through like a cement water pipe or a sewer pipe, just completely barrels through without, without any issue. Um, I saw an interview with Matt Reeves, the whole sequence where the Batmobile goes through the flames, that was real. That wasn't CG. He specifically said that they actually filmed that, that entire sequence um, where Penguin's in his car and you see the Batmobile coming out through the the, the side mirror. That's, that's 100% real. And I got to say, I mean, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't see that interview. Um, but it reminds me of how in the dark night they did that whole sequence with the, the, uh, the semi truck that completely flips because the bat pod like hooks it up and links it around the, the light poles and it completely flips right in front of the, jo- or in, you know, the jokers there. And that was all completely real too. And it reminded me of something like that where, you know, like there are directors who still want to try to do stuff that's, that's real, not necessarily computer uh, generated stuff, but the entire sequence was amazing. Um, the rain, the rain throughout the entire film adds to everything, but I think it adds the best effect to that entire sequence from the moment the Batmobile gets uh, introduced at the uh, recycling plant where they're getting the drugs and the money and stuff to when Batman gets out of the Batmobile and is walking towards uh, Penguin when his car is flipped. The, 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 the water just, it makes everything, it gives like a different lens to the entire scene, which I thought was really cool. The Batmobile scene too. That, I think that's probably my favorite um, scene today. I watched it again, the movie again today, and that's the one I really kind of wanted to focus in more on. Just like the hot ones, like he's kind of laughing at the beginning, like he's having a good time. It's a chase, and as it's going, he's like, geez, I can't shake this guy. And then finally he's celebrating when he thinks he's got him blown up, and then the great scene where crashing through and the car's flipped and Batman's walking upside down to him. It's just the whole thing was uh, was brilliant. Yeah. The scene was great. The action was great. The music. I mean, throughout the entire movie, I think the music added so much. But um, the music on that scene, especially after it flips and he's walking over and you're just hearing those deep, 
at whatever instrument he's using, like a double bass, maybe those notes that are playing as he like walks over and just like leans down. It's like that was that was pretty spectacular, and I think that like the music just highlighted that entire thing and like just brought it to a beautiful little like you know, the cherry on top. I'm not going to lie. I've been listening to that track specifically on the soundtrack over and over and over again. It's Highway to the Anger Zone is what it's called on the soundtrack. But, um, yeah, I would really love to see, like, a breakdown of the whole sequence from Matt Reeves because, like, all the camera rigging and, like, everything they had to do to, like, create that intense chase scene. You know, even when he goes into oncoming traffic at one point, like, it's just you know, most of it looked like it was real. And so it's just kind of phenomenal. It's, it's, you know, very tight framing a lot too. And so it was just like kind of mind blowing and what they were able to accomplish. I did, you know, when the one interview I watched, um, Matt Reeves did talk about how he was heavily inspired by the French connection and I could see that, but it was really cool. But like the action as a whole in the movie is, um, reminded me a lot of like old school Steven Spielberg, where he's not afraid to do longer, uh, long, far away shots to kind of show you the full entirety of the action, and just kind of supplement it with you know tight shots of like faces, just to kind of keep the tension up, but without having to like shake it around or like create some kind of like discord, you know, in the framing to like make you think something's exciting going on. So I really appreciated that overall. Is that you got like a lens and a view of everything i enjoyed the fight sequences i know some have expressed concern or dislike of the whole bulletproof aspect you know he's taken gunfire point blank range and all but again batfleck first of all still best fight sequence of any batman movie but this the, the the action and the fight scenes in this movie was pretty pretty damn good and and probably more realistic you know from the standpoint of you know Bruce got taken down a couple of times you know to show hey as good as he is he's still mortal as well so I the action I definitely loved the the uh the Batmobile reveal but the I, I enjoyed the fight sequence as well favorite um fight sequences is um batman goes to the iceberg lounge because i i'm kind of a sucker for like when batman goes into like a club and like the the, the lights are flashing and batman's just taking people out he does in dark knight he does in um, the animated series at one point and the, that first fight scene was good when he's taking out the twins and he breaks the corrupt cop's nose i like that i really like that fight scene that's the first i think it's the first time we see the grapple gun too and I'm assuming the twins were Tweedledee and Tweedledum, right? Uh, <laughs> At least we're, we're to assume that. Well, that, that's a good one. Guys um, are destined to work for Two Face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about that, um, but I guess that does lead to the, the 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 moment at the very end of the film, and this is where I want to wrap up on this one. Um, this kind of leads into ideas of what could happen in the future, but. There was a at the very end of the film. There's a sequence where Riddler he realizes his entire plan's been thwarted. He's very upset, but there's a fellow inmate at Arkham who uh, starts talking to him, and he says, he basically says, you know, it's okay. Sometimes you know, you, you know, you look like a clown, but Gotham loves a comeback story, and there's a very good chance that um, 
you know, you're just getting started or something on that regards. And then he says, riddle me this. What's, you know, he, he basically sets it up to say that he, he can be uh, Riddler's friend. And they don't do a a lot of like close up of this character. It's it's from behind a door the entire time. It's through like either a little uh, a little section where you can get into the the thing, or it's through glass. But the idea is that it's intended to be uh, ambiguous. You're not supposed to see a whole lot. However, you do see somebody who is scarred and has messed up hair, and. We know who he's supposed to be based off of interviews that were done that conveniently and stupidly were released by certain media outlets the day the film came out, which I thought was kind of dumb. But um, put that aside, um, it was supposed to be the Joker. And um, I was actually kind of confused because I thought for a brief second up until the point where he started laughing was that it might be Two-Face because of how badly scarred he was. Um, it wasn't the typical Joker where it's a normal face and there's like either something going on with the scars. But in the interview that uh, Matt Reeves gave, he said that the intent with him was that he's not so much he has uh, he he's he has he was born with a condition that makes him permanently smile or something like that. And um, but I'm not exactly sure why he was so scarred. But the int- the the point is this character. And this is what I'm wondering, because Matt Reeves had said that there was another sequence they had in the film that they filmed that had Batman visiting Joker and asking him why somebody would be writing him, questioning why Riddler would be writing him specifically. And Joker's like, oh, well, you know, you kind of you showed up and you've you've set off all the freaks coming in and they cut it out of the film because it didn't really add anything to what they were trying to do. It kind of distracted away from the, the, the forward process that they were trying to get. So that scene could end up being the scene that they end up releasing once. Uh, Rada Alada ends up loading completely because Matt Reeves did say that they were planning on releasing the scene because they filmed it with uh, Barry I'm going to say his last name wrong Kehigan or something like that Um, but he was announced for the film and then he didn't appear and I kept thinking when I first saw it I was like that must have been him but I didn't see if it really was the second time I saw the film I stayed for the credits and interestingly he was credited alongside like all the major actors in the the beginning of the the credits not so much like the lineup of all of the credits but he was listed alongside Jeffrey Wright and Colin Farrell. And I was like, well, clearly he's got a role. So he's going to play some sort of role in the future because they didn't have him cast and have him appear to basically pull a cameo that lasted less than two minutes. So, and I, and like I said, we're not trying to get into sequels, but what did you guys think of that sequence? Did you think it took away from kind of the ending moment of the film? Because I've seen some people online say they wish that wasn't there, or I've seen other people say, why did they, you know, it's basically the moments where in Batman Begins, they get the playing card and they say, oh, there's a new person. It's like this, the equivalent of setting things up. And I don't think it's necessarily setting things up for the second film. I feel like it's more of a, just kind of like a hint as, as to that there's already people that Batman's taken down and Joker just happens to be one of them. What did you guys think of that sequence? Well, I'll say, I'll, I'll first say I was just like you in that, in the beginning of that scene. I thought it was obvious. Well, 
until you know the end when the laughter started. Yeah. And it, it was specifically because of how scarred up he looked. Um, but also, like you, I think something had to be set in the place to show that more is coming. Um, you know, if this was going to be a, a, a one and done movie, you know, then yeah, I think it's it's definitely not needed. But you know, just like the card scene at the end of Batman Begins, you know, something had to something had to take place to put out there that there was more to come uh, in in this universe. So I was okay with that, but yeah, I was I'm, I'm just like you. I thought it was Harvey uh, in the beginning until the end when he busts out laughing. I also thought it was Harvey until he started laughing. And I'm totally fine with them like trying to set up for the second film. I would have actually preferred it if they hadn't made it so obvious. And they kind of left us guessing, like, who was that? And perhaps, I don't know, given some clues to lean a few ways or the other, I think that would have kept, like, a cool mystery. Also, because the Joker has been done so many times. He's so popular popularly used throughout Batman movies and they did such a good job taking the Riddler making him their main villain um, that I hope in the next one it's not the Joker as the main villain like I, show us I, your creativity again give us somebody fresh and new or a fresh iteration there's so much you can pull from um, that I think would give a better story than another Joker go around I, I totally agree Hanan I, I truly hope that they build to the Joker, and I'm going to say this with a little uh, precaution. I don't want Dustin choking me, but I I hope they take the Marvel approach in that they don't immediately release the big bad. So we know, you know, at the at the end of Avengers, we see that Thanos is the big bad, but it takes a while before we get to him. I hope they go a similar route, you know, and expand and 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 develop the universe more. You know, show more of the rogues gallery, and then you know, if 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 Joker is to be the big bad of of Matt Reeves' universe, then you reveal him after a few more movies. Don't don't immediately bring him up. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I would rather see any other characters than the Joker. And admittedly, that's like that's the scene I think about the least from this movie. Like, it's not like I'm gonna say it's in my opinion, the worst scene in the movie, but I don't mean that as like, oh, it's horrible or terrible. Like the movie was great. So it's just, to me, it's like, it was mostly a nothing scene. And the only really reason why I feel that's in there is, you know, after everything going on, you know, you need to see Riddler react. We need to see like Riddler knowing that, oh, Hey, your plan kind of failed. Cause yeah, bombs did go off a of Batman arrived and him and Catwoman and Gordon took down your stupid gang you know so you need you do need that kind of reaction scene but yeah the Joker stuff to me just felt like you know filler or just really not important I knew that actor was in it and I kept waiting for him to show up and I know that they announced it that he was playing a cop at some point right yeah, yeah. and I remember there was a online that his bro that guy the actor's brother like posted like on Facebook or something that he said like haha my brother's the Joker and then it was quickly deleted so when it cut to that scene and then I heard the voice I was like oh man uh, he actually is the Joker or a young Joker so I'm in 
see whatever that deleted scene was where Batman shows up to like to talk to him about like information that builds on like there's already a past. And I like my showing up as is. I don't want. I don't need an origin or anything of him falling into chemicals. Yeah. Or anything like that. I will agree that the Joker has done has been done a lot, and I don't need to see an origin for the Joker. I don't like honestly. You, I, we don't need anything about the Joker. We, everybody knows the Joker. Like even people who aren't bad fans know the story of the Joker. They don't need to be shown the Joker's origin again, or have the Joker be the main villain for the for an entire film. They don't need that. We've seen that so many times, and I'm not saying that is anything against the Joker. I appreciate the villain of the Joker, but I think that there are so many other villains that I would rather see get. A film, you know, be the main villain in a film that we have yet to see, you know, even even ones that have yet to be even in a live action film. There's so many other villains that have been have have not had the chance to really shine, and then there's villains who have had a chance to shine, but still kind of needed like a, a reboot of sorts when it comes to people understanding who the character is. I mean, like Poison Ivy is a great character. The film that she was in wasn't exactly great. Uh, Mr. Freeze is a great character that could be redone. I mean, there's still lots of other characters out there that have yet to, you know, really flourish. But that, there's all kinds of other characters out there, too, that could make an appearance in any of these films. They they hinted at Hush as a possibility. Um, they hinted at... Surprisingly, there's there's one Easter egg that, uh, that Scott and I talked about when we left the, the theater, which was when... <clears throat> when he gets knocked out by the shotgun blast and then Catwoman helps him back on, there's a whole sequence where he grabs a, a vial, has a special spot in his suit to put it in, and it, no joke, it looked green. And there's only one green liquid that we know, you know, in the DC universe of what it can no talk, be. No one's talking about that at all. Nobody. Yes, exactly. That's what's really strange is that, you know, he puts it in, and you could assume, okay, it's adrenaline, because of that but why is it green if it's just adrenaline and the fact that he gets so violent once he takes it leads me to believe that it's venom and there's a great story um out there batman venom uh for those of you who i mean anybody who sees my picture online my my avatar literally comes from that storyline um it's when bruce takes venom um as a way to basically help enhance his fight on crime um, and he gets addicted to it. But in the film, nobody's talking about that. I've seen two different Easter egg videos on YouTube for big ones that are getting like massive amounts of views, and neither one of them mentioned the, 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 the vial of, of liquid that he stabs into his leg to basically get him to be able to, you know, save Catwoman from the attack. So that's interesting. Not to say that they're necessarily setting up Bane because if that exists already, then there's a possibility that that's already happened and they don't need to do Bane. Um, similar to the way they don't need to show the Joker's origin and that kind of stuff. Because that's the one convenient thing about not starting at square one or year one with Batman. Because you can already have Batman have taken down certain characters and you don't have to have... You can just say he's already dealt with them. You don't have to start at the very beginning and say, well... When is he? When would he have ever done that? Because we saw when he became Batman. Well, no, we didn't. We didn't see when he became Batman. We saw. We started off with year two, which means he had plenty of other things he did prior to that. So there's a lot of interesting things. Um, 
I want to kind of wrap up the episode here, though. Um, like I said, next episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more. Well, I say this, but let's be honest. If uh, Radaalada.com updates and ends up being that sequence that uh, we think it might be with the Joker, we might end up uh, talking about sequels next week. But leading up into the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about two different topics. Um, we might vice versa them, comp- comp- uh, depending on when exactly certain things is released. But uh, we're going to be talking about sequels and what the future holds for the franchise um, based off of what we've seen in the film. More Easter eggs and hints that uh, we've slightly talked about here. Um, We're also going to be doing a deep dive into some of the comics that this connects to because there's a lot of different comics a lot of big comics, a lot of well-known comic stories that uh, that this film pulls from, which is greatly appreciated for comic fans. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if everyone's figured out some of the comics that some of these things have been pulled from. So we'll be discussing that as well. Um, and then sometime in April, The Art of Batman comes out, which is the... It's a new book that's releasing that focuses on like concept art and design elements for the actual film. We're going to be diving into that book to kind of look at a lot of different ideas that they had when they were creating the film. Uh, but unfortunately, that book's not actually releasing until April 19th. So we won't be able to do that until after the book releases. But once it does release, we'll be talking about that. So at least for the next two weeks, we'll be talking about the comic connections and sequel and future ideas for the film franchise. But uh, outside of that, we might have other topics that might come up too. Um, and if you guys have topics that you guys like us to discuss on future episodes, be sure to let us know either on the comment section. Uh, you can send us an email at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net or you can uh, leave comments on our Discord under the TBU podcast uh, channel. So outside of that, be sure to check out our website for all kinds of news related to movies, television, merchandise, video games, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, and uh, you can send us an email, like I said, at tbu at thebatmanverse.net. All of our social links, as well as links to support the website and the podcast can be found over at thebatmanuniverse.net. With all of that being said, for Theo, BJ, Hanan, and Scott, and myself, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TBU Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.